Hello, everyone, and welcome to Third Eye with Lorelai. I'm your host, Lorelai, where we talk all things metaphysics. everybody welcome back to another episode of third eye with Lorelai and today I'm gonna do another one of those discussions like I did in the last gosh like a few episodes before this but this um, episode is gonna be really unique we're not gonna have crystals or quote of the week again but we're gonna be talking about something that is completely fascinating to me and to help me talk about it is Freenie Whoever. Hello, thank well, you for having me back. Yeah, welcome back. It's really exciting to have people talk with me because I find that sometimes I get to talking to myself and it's really, <laughs> it's so much easier to bounce ideas off of another person. Oh, it really is. And I'm really excited about this topic too. So. It's a good topic. It really is. Yeah. And it's, I feel like it's one of the most misunderstood topics. Yeah, agreed of like a lot of the things in spirituality like tarot cards and the like so what we're going to be talking about today you guys is wicca and witchcraft so frenny when we when we talked last you had said that you had practiced witchcraft Mm -hmm. and wicca Mm -hmm. For like in your earlier parts of your years. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure, yeah. So um, as I had mentioned before, I grew up in a really Christian household. Um, and when I was in my very early teenage years, like I want to say 14, 15, mm-hmm. I started to really in-depthly question all that. And then as I'm sure everyone who is at all interested in metaphysics has had an experience of, I kind of got led by spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was in um, a new age type bookstore crystal shop close to, actually not close to where we lived because we lived someplace else. And then I was in a different city with a girlfriend of mine and she took me into this place and I was just looking around and I came upon a book called uh, Wicca for the Solitary Park practitioner by Scott Cunningham and even just like the cover of the book and the color of the book and everything about it just like leapt out at me and I just felt like oh I need to I need to have this this is for me and I took it home and started reading it and was just fascinated by it and so I kind of started down that path and you know I was a teenager so there was lots of and I was this is like I'm gonna date myself now but you know this is in like the (laughs) mid mid 90s mid to late 90s and during that time you know you have movies like The Craft and Practical Magic and Mm -hmm. there's this big surge in interest in Wicca and witchcraft that has come out so a lot of my girlfriends were really excited about it so we had our own little coven but it was you know we didn't really know what we were doing it was very like okay we have this book and we really like the idea of like having powers and casting spells and all of that and while my girlfriends were really into sort of like the um outward show they wanted to dress like witches and they wanted to have their you know they wanted to get together and like have an initiation 
route. Like none of them were really into like the spiritual aspect of it and what that really meant and looking into like the nature side of things. And But that always really intrigued me. Um, and I really felt connected to honoring nature and really like the spiritual aspects of Wicca and then witchcraft mm-hmm. later on mm-hmm. really spoke to me. Um, and so from then I just kind of followed that just kind of followed that thread I you know as I got older and I graduated obviously I didn't have my little coven of girlfriends anymore (laughs) so it was just me um and you know it kind of waxed and waned with like how much I would be practicing but always that um feeling of honoring nature and the idea of spell work Mm -hmm. and using like lunar energy and solar energy and energy from plants and from just what's around me um, mm-hmm. has always been with me and has always been a part of my spirituality since then. And then as I've grown into adulthood and in the last, you know, year or so, it's really had this huge explosion again for me as I've rediscovered yeah. um, really the deeper aspects of that. Yeah. That's awesome. It's been wonderful, yeah. <laughs> and I remember that time frame of, you know, the craft. Yes, and, that was huge. <laughs> and practical magic. And, you know, it's there really is such a... He, let's just talk about those two movies for yes, just a minute. they're very different. <laughs> so, like, for, for those of you that are listening, so those are movies that were made in the, gosh, mid-90s. like 90s. mid to late 90s. Practical magic might even be a little later. That might be even, like, early, early 2000s. 2000s. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that was with uh, Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then The Craft, that one was even earlier that than was, that one. That was squarely mid-90s, because that was definitely, like, the time where I remember watching it with my girlfriends and them being like, oh, oh. this is what we're going to do, and we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> Okay. This is the thing. We're this doing is it. the thing. That's right. <laughs> oh. And everybody wanted to be Robin Tunney. Nobody wanted to be Feruza Balk or the other two girls that, like, we don't even remember their names as actresses. But, like, everyone I mean, wanted to be Robin Tunney, who, like, had all the natural powers and could, like, shift her appearance and, like. <laughs> well, she was a natural. Exactly. She didn't have to, like, try as hard. Uh-huh. Everybody wanted to be that girl. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, but that's not practical. And right. That's the part of the story that's kind of fictional. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I feel kind of like that is sort of like a really good example of the differences between like the real witchcraft, yes. which, it, yes. correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like practical magic with Nicole Kidman oh, and Sandra that was Bullock. Beautiful. Yeah, is more of like what like witchcraft is really, really has always kind of been about, but like the craft version yes. is sort of what's always been depicted yes. by like media yes. and exactly. by even by like religion yeah. putting sort of this this mask this facade over it so that way people stop for sure. you know for sure because they add in the evil parts of it and Feruza Balt getting corrupted now I will say you know like and we can get more into this later but like the magic lies within the intent of the witch so there are going to be witches who choose like to use their craft use their intent for dark things for evil things right like who are intentionally like trying to harm people or but that's because that's the person that's not Mm. the practice (laughs) right right 
Okay, yeah, no, I, yep, I totally get that. So, yeah, I, I love those movies. <laughs> oh, I know, me too. They're so me good. too. <laughs> Just all part of the, uh, you know, the spiritual process and the journey, right? Mm-hmm. Finding little things that kind of initiate. So, anyway, um, maybe we should talk a little bit about, okay, first and foremost, what is the difference between Wicca and witchcraft? Okay, so... Wicca is an organized religion that is actually very new. It was um, developed by a man named Gerald Gardner in the 1950s. And what he did was he... Now, there may be people out there who, like, dive into this and go, oh, there's way more to this than what you're saying. So this is just, like, a basic little primer. Which is our podcast. Right. So (laughs) essentially what he wanted to do was create, like, a cohesive witchcraft religion Mm -hmm. so he took primarily from celtic sources and created a dual theistic religion so you have the triple goddess and you have the horned god Mm. some wiccans call them the lady and the lord but those are the two and they aren't always the same two but usually it's of celtic origin which deities you follow right he followed the wheel of the year which are all celtic agricultural holidays right and then he also developed like specific rituals for things like birth death rebirth menstruation um menopause marriage honoring the moon developed like specific prayers talked about like specific instruments that you needed to have to follow these so he just like took this thing that was really wide witchcraft and paganism where it was just kind of scattered all over the place with all kinds of different interpretations and like funneled it down into like a nice clean box that you could take off the shelf and be like okay so here's my religion and here's my practices that i follow i'm sure that there are some like hardcore wiccans out there who are going to take serious exception with what i'm saying but (laughs) i feel like that that's a pretty basic idea of what wicca is yeah so it's a very specific thing wicca got it witchcraft is much broader than that Mm. witchcraft does not have to follow deities Mm. it can but it doesn't have to got it witchcraft is the worship of nature the worship of the astrological bodies of the earth of water it is um using the energies that occur within nature to create change Mm. and there are as many different ways to do that as you can possibly imagine there are so many different kinds of witchcraft but they all boil down to harnessing what is within nature and combining it with your intent to create some kind of change hmm. out there in the world. And that's like a, the like a, essentially what spell work is. Got it. So you witchcraft can follow deities. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And then you have like pagans who maybe use witchcraft. Maybe they don't. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they just honor like Hindus. Yeah. Hindus would be considered pagan because it's a polytheistic religion. Right. 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 Uh-huh. But they do not follow witchcraft. Yeah. They do not use, do spell work. Right. So, you know, there's differences between all three of those right. things. Yeah. Um, but Wicca and witchcraft mm-hmm. tend to be like catch all terms and like, oh, you are, oh, you're a witch. So you follow Wicca. 
No. No. <laughs> no, I do not. It's not the same. <laughs> it isn't the same so at in, all. So in essence, would you call witchcraft a practice? I would, yes. Okay. I would call it a practice. and But it's it looks very different for every witch. Right. Because there are so many different paths that you can follow within witchcraft. Okay. So I kind of, I, I like to draw parallels in my brain. Yes. So I feel kind of like Wicca is to religion as in witchcraft is to prayer and meditation. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can pray and meditate with pretty much any faith and yep. any religion, but yes. you don't have to hold credence to any yes, one of those that's to pray or meditate. comparison. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm getting it. Yes. <laughs> it's the practice without the dogma. Got it. Yeah, I love that. That's my most favorite. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that's like a real nice, clean-cut differentiation. I love that. Chickity check. Okay. Tick, tick. <laughs> um, okay. So, what would you say are the common misconceptions when it comes to Wicca and witchcraft? Lots and lots and lots. <laughs> lots and lots. Okay. So, so the one that people get the most is, oh, you worship the devil. Oh, Lordy Pete. <laughs> and yeah. so this, like. For anybody out there who's afraid of witchcraft, this is, and I I apologize to my Christian friends, I have lots of Christian friends who are totally on board with me as a witch and they're fine with it because they understand me. Mm -hmm. That idea of Satan and an evil Lord (laughs) to worship (laughs) is a Christian construct. That doesn't have any place in witchcraft, it doesn't have any place in Wicca. Yeah. There is no evil lord. Yeah. <laughs> there are you can make choice to like I said earlier, like you can decide that you are gonna use things for a negative purpose. Right. You can with your free will decide you are gonna make choices to hurt other people, but that is within you. That yeah. is your choice. That's not I'm worshiping some evil demon person. Yeah. That's not, that doesn't have any place yeah. <laughs> at all. And I personally have never met a witch who behaves that way ever. In fact, if you start talking about doing spell work that has any, that has anything that looks like trying to control the free will of another person, most witches will recoil and be like, oh, nope, that is not, nope, that's bad. Because within both Wicca and witchcraft, there is something called the law of three Mm. that says everything you put out into the world comes back to you threefold. Yes. So you put hate, you put control, you put negativity out in the world, you're going to get it back. Three Three times. times. (laughs) Damn. <laughs> so the idea of like worshiping Satan and all of that, that is a complete Christian concept. It was developed hundreds of years ago. One of the biggest proponents of this was the Malleus Maleficarum, which Ooh. was a document that was written. I wrote down the name Heinrich Cranmer and Jacob Springer. They were uh, Christian priests 
who developed this manuscript, um, and it means the Hammer of Witches, and it described all of the things that we think of now, that witches are in league with the devil, that they sell their soul, that they can, they cause horrible pain to other people, that they can, um, you know, steal your soul, they're manipulators, they eat children, they, I mean, just all of the terrible things that, like, people have now deep within them that have been, like, bred into you over the years of, like, being terrified of witches, that's where it came from. And just tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of mostly women, mostly older women, (laughs) died because of this. And most of them weren't even witches. (laughs) Wow. They were just women who were outspoken or poor or didn't have a man to um, speak for them. Um, You know, all of the things that make, especially in older times, the patriarchy feel. (laughs) Sorry to get super feminist. No, no, that's okay. Make the patriarchy squirm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, that's... That's what that was about. They weren't even practicing witchcraft or even pagan. Yeah. Or any of that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the Salem witch trials were exactly of that. Oh, that's a, just that's a, that's such a wonderful example. And you could do a whole podcast just on that. But I might. <laughs> I just might. That's a... <laughs> but yes, the first few people who were accused in um, the Salem witch trials were exactly those people. They were three older women who, who were widows Um, or were not married, who were old and crotchety and grumpy and made everybody feel uncomfortable because they said what they thought. Those were the first people to get accused. And then it went way downhill uh, because then we were in hysteria mode. Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny because if we're going to go into feministic talk, hysteria... It's just another way of saying, like, because hist uh-huh. yes. means from the womb, right? Yep. Is womb. And, yes. and Teria is, is yes. crazy. So womb crazy. What yeah, the hell? I know. There's <laughs> so much. There's so much about witchcraft that is about, like, suppression of the female voice and about female power. And that's really what was scary yeah. back then was, like, they couldn't. It was a way to control women. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Doing this, well, then they're evil. Yes. And they should be killed. Yeah. Because we need to be able to be in control of them. So none Oof. of that is in reality. Right. None of that has anything to do with the practice of witchcraft. None of that has to eat, has to do with Wicca. None of that has to do with paganism. Yeah. Well, and I feel like pagan is a broad term for anything outside of organized religion. Is that correct or no? Well, my understanding of paganism is is anything that is a polytheistic okay. religion. I yeah. mean, I I could be wrong. That's my understanding. But I feel like pagan is another one of those catch-alls for anything that is not Judeo-Christian, Islamic. Got it. Like the monotheistic Yes. Faiths. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I see that. Yeah. Um, okay, so, you know, we were talking about some of the historical stuff, and I actually looked up some of the things. Yep. And was it this one? The history of witches, the origin of witches. So, and this is just basically just going to back up what Fernie was saying, pretty much, because it all kind of falls on line. <laughs> she knows us, death. I do. <laughs> um, early witches were people who practiced witchcraft using magic spells and calling upon spirits for help or to bring about change. Most witches were thought to be pagans doing the devil's work. Many, however, were simply natural healers. 
or so-called wise women whose choice of profession was misunderstood. Well, there you go, right? Yeah. And and that's like a whole other thing, like the wise women. Oh, I want to know about that too. (laughs) Well, and a lot of, um, and I will say like a lot of the women who were burned and hung were not the wise women were not the healers. They were just the women who were getting on people's nerves. Oh or there's God. property disputes. Or neighbors are having arguments and they don't like what you've said. And so that's... They labeled them a witch. Yeah. It's super wow. easy. That's like, horrifying. Um, yeah. The wise woman healer part, well, that's like, that's part of the triple goddess, right? That's the yeah. crone. Mm-hmm. And she's the most scary. Yeah. Because she has, like, a life's worth of, like, understanding how to, like, affect change in the body by healing or by using her energy or by using spiritual energy or earth energy to affect change and heal. And that's super scary. Well, for for whom, precisely, in my opinion? For the people who would like you to please only follow this religion. Yeah. And don't have any of your own thoughts or ideas, but only this, because this is what we can control. Well, yeah. And again, I'm very sorry to any Christian followers. <laughs> you know, I'm not meaning to bash your religion. No. But this is history. Yeah. Well, and that's, that is the fundamental difference, is that history is predominantly very history ain't pretty it's not pretty it's not it's It's bloody and it's horrifying and we hopefully have learned from it yes hopefully Hopefully. but you know this is why we have the things like this podcast so that we can understand our differences right indeed so to continue it's unclear exactly when witches came on the historical scene because witchcraft is really 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 old ancient we could talk, if you ever, y'all want to get a really awesome, awesome story into witchcraft and like how old it could actually be. I, I know you've read this book. You actually introduced me to this book a long time ago. So The uh, the Mists of Avalon. Yeah. That is by far one of the best books I've ever right. read. It is so good. And it goes back to Arthurian times. So King Arthur, before he was actually king. So he... He was maybe, I think that he was just born during that time because Morgana was just, like, she was a kid and her little brother was Arthur. And so they, it was their upbringing. But it's not based around Arthur. It's based around Morgana. And she was, like, the first, not the first witch. No, she wasn't the first. Nope. She was, like, (laughs) Morgana Le Fay, which is, like, the big deity in Celtic deities, right? Um, Like, she's, like, the one. Morgana Le Fay. But anyway, um, just that, that, another one of Lorelai's segues. Sorry about that. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to bring well, Miss of Avalon and in somehow. If you think about it, Miss of Avalon takes place like <sighs> so long. Uh, it, it, so it would be like the Dark Ages. Yes. No, even prior to that. So um, they're talking about like Saxon invaders. So that's even prior. So, no, it's it's the Dark Ages because it's just after Rome leaves the British Isles. And then she actually has three other books that go back and go back and go back to, like, even before Stonehenge or, like, when the Standing Stones are created. Wow. But if you think about it, witchcraft as, a, as, like, a parallel to, like, shamanism, right? Shamanism. Yeah. Where you're using... You're using the energies of the earth and of the spirit realm and of the astrological bodies to affect change, affect healing, 
that goes back as long as human beings have been alive. I mean, they have relics and things from ancient Native Americans, from even Stone Age people, to show there was religion. There was people worshipping and using nature to affect change in this way. So this is the first Hmm. kind of way that human beings understood spirituality in the world. Wow. It is the oldest one. Yeah, witchcraft. (laughs) And it's, I mean, we call it witchcraft right now, but that's our word for it. And all it is is just the basic relationship of human beings in a spiritual sense to nature and to the spirit realm and to astrological bodies. Yeah. Which has always been there. Look at the ancient Maya. Yeah. That came way before even the Dark Ages. And there's tons of evidence there to talk about you know, how they used shamanism. Yeah. So, I mean, this is as old as human beings. Oh, my God. That's so awesome. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And then, you know, as we go through history, like, you know, human beings like to do, they like to be like, oh, no, I'm in control of everything. So then, you know, we make all kinds of decisions about what all that old stuff is. Right? (laughs) Been there, done that. (laughs) Let's talk about the uh, the stuff that we really want to learn about, though. So, let's see. It's unclear exactly when witches came on the story scene. But one of the earliest records of a witch is in the Bible, in the book of 1 Samuel, thought to be written between 931 B.C. and 721 B.C. It tells a story of when King Saul sought the witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the Philistine army. The witch roused Samuel, who then prophesied the death of Saul and his sons. The next day, according to the Bible, Saul's son died in battle and Saul committed suicide. Other Old Testament verses condemn witches, such as the oft-cited Exodus 22.18, which says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Oh, damn it. (laughs) Yeah, that one gets thrown around a lot. A lot. And I feel like that's probably when they say the oldest example of witchcraft, that's the the oldest time they actually use the word witchcraft. Witch. Witch. Yes, precisely. Additional biblical passages caution against divination, chanting or using witches to contact the dead. And here comes Malleus Maleficarum. Yay, hammer of witches. Hammer of witches. (laughs) (laughs) And my favorite word, hysteria. (laughs) Witch hysteria really took hold in Europe during the mid-1400s when many accused witches confessed, often under torture. Yeah. That's why they confessed. Yeah. Because they're like, tell us you're a witch. I'm not a witch. Tell us you're a witch. I'm not a witch. Let me poke you with this hot poker until you tell me you're a witch. Uh, yeah. I'm a witch like, now. Oh, now I'm a witch. Okay. Now you're going to die. To a variety of wicked behaviors within uh-huh. a century, witch hunts were common. And most of the accused were ex- executed by burning at the stake or hanging. Single women, widows, and other women on the margins of society were especially targeted. Between the years 1500 and 1660, up to 80,000 suspected witches were put to death in Europe. Around 80% of them were women thought to be in cahoots with the devil and filled with lust. Filled with lust! Yeah, how dare you? How dare you want to have sex? Yep. It's a terrible thing. terrible thing. Germany has the highest witchcraft execution. Okay, raise your hand if you're surprised by that. I hope all of you are raising your I am German, so, or I'm not German, I'm American, but I have German ancestry, so. Of descent, yes. I feel okay. 
<laughs> while Ireland had the lowest. Yay, Again, Ireland! It's it's my I, favorite. I feel like the Irish have kept hold of that part of themselves that is kind of magic that way. Well, they, it is. I mean, being in Ireland is literally magical. Yeah. And all yes. of you Irish folks out there that are listening to this, you know, you know what it is. We give you props. We, we, we love you. We love you. <laughs> Not that we don't love Germany, too. We no. love you, too, Germans. <laughs> you just you had a bad go around, I think, in a long, long time ago. <laughs> okay. The publication of Malleus Maleficarum, written by two well-respected German Dominicans in 1486, likely spurred witch mania to likely. go to go viral. Likely. <laughs> likely. <laughs> the book, usually translated as The Hammer of Witches, was essentially a guide on how to identify, hunt, and interrogate witches. Now, have you... <laughs> I know you have. If you have ever seen the movie... Um, it's British people with the coconuts. Uh-huh. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes, yes. That's not far off the truth, no. which is really sad. She's a witch. No, Burn her. Her. But she turned me into a newt. Oh, I got better. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Sorry, you guys, you have to watch that scene. If it's just go on YouTube and watch and, that one particular scene, it's freaking hilarious. And the reason why it's funny is because it's kind of true. Yeah. It's not like they're poking fun at a reality. Yes, because it's, it's kind <laughs> of Although my thing. best part about that is that she actually ends up being a witch at the end. Because <laughs> she weighs the same as a duck. She weighs the same as a duck. She's like, well, what do you know about that? Oh, well. (laughs) Okay. Malleus Maleficarum labeled witchcraft as heresy and quickly became the authority for Protestants and Catholics trying to flush out witches living among them. For more than 100 years, the book sold more copies of another book in Europe except the Bible. The Salem Witch Trials. <laughs> I'm going to put um, a shameless plug because he's my favorite. Um, if any of you are really interested in the Salem Witch Trials, like it just like you read, you listen to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to know all the things. Um, Aaron Menke does a podcast called Unobscured and the whole first season. So it's 12 full episodes diving deep into the Salem Witch Trials. Ooh. Everything you ever would want to know. He interviews historians like Everything you could ever possibly want to know about the Salem Witch Trials, there it is. Awesome. Yes. I'm going to have to check that out. I was out. not paid for that. I don't know Aaron Mankey at all. I just, I love him so hey, much. Hey, man. Us podcasters have to stick together. <laughs> I get it. Well, he's he's a wealthy man. Oh, he doesn't well. need any advertisement. But for me, like, I'm a weird history nerd, so I That's love so all that stuff. So if there's anybody out there who doesn't know about him, do that, it. And you like Salem Witch Trials. There you it's, go. It's good. Well, and it's so, it's so fascinating. It is. So, as witch hysteria decreased in Europe, it grew in the New World, which is America. America. Which was reeling from wars between the French and British, a smallpox epidemic, and the ongoing fear of attacks from neighboring Native American tribes. Well, you know, we're kind of there. Oh, for sure. On their turf. Yes, and that's like an understatement right there. There was major battle and war going on, and that played largely into the Salem Witch Trials. Right. Into why they were 
as hysterical as they were because this little village was way out on the fringe. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a big city. It was a little Salem village set apart from Salem town. And so they were right on the edge of like the woods and all of that area was like Indian territory danger. And a lot of the people who had come to Salem village were coming from these areas where they had had these horrendous conflicts with Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I can only That imagine. I am not excusing any of the behavior no, that happened. But no. it's what, it's again, it's, this is it's history. history. This is history. So the tense atmosphere was ripe for finding scapegoats. Mm-hmm. Probably the best known witch trials took place in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692. The Salem witch trials began when nine-year-old Elizabeth Paris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams began suffering from fits body contortions and uncontrolled screaming today it is believed that they were poisoned by a fungus that caused caused spasms and delusions yeah that's not <clears throat> true it's not true no oh oh it's what is it they've dis i i think they've pretty well disproved that that, that was, was true uh, gotcha. it's um it's all psychological <laughs> oh well yeah like, like maybe the, they're trying to abigail get williams is one of the refugees from the Indian war who watched her family get murdered. So it was a PTSD that These, she had. There was a lot of that going around oh. and she and she's not the only girl but they're put then in this Puritan society that is constantly talking about the fear of the devil and the devil is going to get you and the devil is going to harm you and he's always trying to come after you and then there's this very real threat happening over here and these little girls just manifest this wow fear and then it because oh, i mean we could go i we could do a whole podcast air Nikki, 12 12 episodes <laughs> each episode two hours long like oh. i'm telling you there's so much to this trial that's wow. just but that's important piece of information it is that's really important i'm glad <laughs> and, and please feel free <laughs> yeah don't don't be like I don't want it to be no. Well, we have so many other things. But that's <laughs> good though. About. That's good. That's why I wanted to do this because it is gonna be good. You got you guys are getting some good info here. Okay. <laughs> okay. So body contortions, uncontrollable screaming, believe they're poisoned. La la la. As more young women began to exhibit symptoms, mass hysteria ensued, and three women were accused of witchcraft: Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tetuba. An enslaved woman owned by the Paris's father. All inconvenient women. Yes. Especially Tituba, <laughs> who was an enslaved woman. And her story is super interesting. Yeah. She's fascinating. She also comes from, like, they believe she was from um, the Caribbean. Yeah. So she's got, like, the like the Caribbean... Um, religions which mm-hmm. uh tend like i don't want to say voodoo because i know that voodoo comes from over there but i feel like there's european influence there possibly mm-hmm. i don't know but there's there's strong shamanistic yeah um, naturally coming from over there so her story is really i love interesting it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Tituba, I want to, I, again, that will have to be for, we'll have to do a whole separate podcast oh, gosh, on the Salem yes. Witch Trials. Oh, it, there's just so much to get into. It's so interesting. It really is. So, it's fascinating. But, you know, it needs to be brought up because, you know, it's and part of the And the best part thing. of it, not a single one of them, which is maybe Tituba a little a bit. Li- a little, just a little. <laughs> just a little bit. She might have a little Diet <laughs> just, Coke of just, witchcraft. Just you know? a little bit. <laughs> just a little diet Coke of, but yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. 
So Tejiba confessed to being a witch and began accusing others of using black magic. On June 10th, Bridget Bishop became the first accused witch to put to, to, be, to be put to death during the Salem witch trials when she was hanged at the Salem gallows. Ultimately, around 150 people were accused and 18 were put to death. Women weren't the only victims nope. of the Salem witch trials. Six men were also convicted and ex- executed. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts wasn't the first of the 13 colonies to obsess about witches, though. In Windsor, Connecticut, the, in 1647, Alcee Young was the first person in America executed for witchcraft. Before Connecticut's final witch trial took place in 1697, 46 people were accused of witchcraft in the state and 11 were put to death for the crime. In Virginia, people were less frantic about witches. In fact, in Lower Norfolk County in 1655, a law was passed making it a crime to falsely accuse someone of witchcraft. Still, witchcraft was a concern. About two dozen witches or witch trials, mostly of women, took place in Virginia between 1626 and 1730. None of the accused were executed. Okay, so we kind of went over a good history and we went over some of the, you know, some of the stigma and the labels that are with witchcraft, which is largely due to religious dogma. But let's just focus on the fact that witchcraft is about the practice of communion with nature yes. and with celestial bodies and of spirit. Yes. And then Wicca, is that only organized into a nice neat little box that's of right. religion with the two deities, the triple goddess and the horned god? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Exactly so. So, let's talk about spells. Yes, those are also tend to be misunderstood. Yeah, because people think like, <laughs> yeah, they they, think they have the Shakespearean um, picture of double, double toil and trouble. Yes. And the witches throwing in all kinds of things and creating spells and whatnot. So all a spell is, and there may be other witches out there who disagree with me. This is my take on it. All a spell is, is using things from nature that um, you connect with that have a vibration that you connect with. So crystals or things from nature. So river water, herbs, um, sand from the beach, uh, whatever it is that you're trying to do that have these energies that you connect with and you bring them together and you set an intention Mm -hmm. and put that intention out into the universe. Mm. I don't know any witches who really attempt to do spell work to control another person. Mm. They sometimes will do spells for other people, but that is because those people have come to them and requested, Mm -hmm. I need to create this kind of change in the world. And where the magic is, is within the intent. Yes. yes. So, you know, a person comes to you and says, you know, I, um, I need more money. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not making enough money. I'm falling behind on my bills. I want you to do a money spell for me. Well, what you might do is use um, herbs or, like, there's lots of herbs that... Um, vibrate with monetary stuff or right? abundance yeah abundance yeah. right and that's really what it is it's not necessarily money yeah it's c- 
creating a shift within the person so that what they believe is not I'm lacking money. What they believe is I have abundance coming to me. And that's the shift that yes. creates the change. The manifestation process. Exactly. That's yeah. all it is, is being really good at using intent to manifest. Interesting. And all of the tools, all of the herbs, all of the things that you collect, all that does, all those are used for is focusing your intent mm -hmm. because they vibrate at a level that makes you feel like it's matching your intentional vibration. Yes. Got it. If that makes sense. I hope that makes sense to other people. Yeah. Well, and you know, I feel like that in and of itself, that manifestation power is also another podcast episode. Oh, for sure. The Law for of Attraction, sure. yes. which, believe it or not, yes. guys, that is coming. It's, yes, it's that coming. is so... And we call it spell work, right? Yes. Because you use these things that you feel connected to. Right. And that you, it can be really powerful to have a spell jar or, um, you know, an enchanted essential oil mm -hmm. or whatever that you put on your body because it reminds you of your intention. It yes. gives you a place to focus so that you're constantly keeping it in your head and keeping those positive intentions in your head is what draws mm -hmm. the manifestation to you. Yes. One of those things um, I really like to have people that are interested in practicing the craft, if you will. Yes. Well, that's what it's called among witches. We call it the craft. The craft is sigil work. Yes. Creating sigils your sigils. Are wonderful. And you yes. showed me how to do that. Yes. Sigils <laughs> and, are wonderful. And I actually did an instructional video on how to make a sigil. Very cool. If you want to look it up on YouTube under my Third Eye with Lorelei podcast YouTube page. And it's it's not even like, I think it's like two minutes long. It's not a, a, a it's minute It's very and a half. simple. Yeah. It's really simple. You just write out your intent. And then you have this whole thing that you follow to create this little sigil. And then you can put it on like an altar or you can put it on your essential oil or you can put it on anything to remind you, like you said, remind you of this intent that you're yes. trying to manifest. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The first time I realized what like the truth of spells really are. <laughs> when I was a teenager and I was, you know, reading about all this stuff and looking at all, you know, like these complicated spell rituals and like realizing all of that is like pageantry for when you feel like I need to be steeped in tradition right now. I need yeah. to be steeped in ritual. I need to do this because it makes me feel connected. But you can cast a spell as simple as lying to somebody. And like the first time I did it, you know, like I intentionally lied to someone and they believed me. I was like, I just cast a spell. Whoa. Like I put that intention out and they accepted it and believed it. And now they're moving on with their life as though that is the truth. Wow. <laughs> I was like, that's really powerful. <laughs> like that's what that is. Whoa. That using that intention to shift somebody's mind as to what the truth is oh my god and that's what magic is that's what spell work is so you don't need all of these things you don't need the crystals you don't need the herbs yeah, you can do it as simple as just like deciding within yourself this is the truth yeah. and moving forward with it but 
most people like the feeling of the spiritual aspect of connecting with the things of nature and using that energy. Yes. And we really like crystals. Oh, Chris. And you know, you can, crystals are a whole other thing because crystals actually do have their own vibration and you can use them to shift your body energy. Yeah. But you don't have to, like human beings are so incredibly powerful. I know about like 10 people that are going, shut up. I like my crystals. Oh, no. I am not, girl. I I have so many crystals and I'm all about the crystal babies and I love them so much. I connect so much with earth energy. Yeah. So crystals and I, we're best buddies. I yes. love them so much and you and they are very powerful, wonderful things. You can use them and they do make a huge difference. But my point is... You like, don't need them. You don't the need to. You can do a spell just in and of yourself because it's just you and your energy and your intent. Right. I got to, you know, the thing that I thought of when you just told me that thing about like that basic spell to just of just lying to somebody. Can you imagine the amount of spell work that we're doing on ourselves every day by lying to ourselves? Yes. And that is, it's interesting. The one in all of witchcraft, there are only two laws that are like hard and fast this is a law of the universe. Well, that's it. It's the law of three. Everything you put back comes back to you threefold. And it's now called the Wiccan Reed because he took it. But it's essentially the golden rule. It's, and it harm none, do as you will. Wow. You are a one. That's true. So yeah. if you are working negative magic on yourself, if you are constantly casting negative spells on yourself with your negative thinking, with your telling yourself, oh, I'm fat, I'm stupid, I don't matter, I don't belong, I don't, I'm not loved, all of those lies, all of that spell work, you are harming yourself. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. So you, it's keeping those thoughts in order and it's, hard work and nowadays. (laughs) Well, how funny that that's like one of the most basic spells and yet witchcraft is like looked at as such a, but that's our, that's a common theme for society, if you will. Yes. To say the, to never be good enough. You always have to be striving to be better. And it's like, when am I just going to be good enough? Well, and I also think that's probably one reason. Another reason why witchcraft is scary because there's such freedom in it Mm. where I don't buy into I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not enough, Mm. just period. Because when you live in that space, in the I'm enough and I love who I am and I honor who I am, you're very powerful and very free thinking and you cannot be controlled yeah and therein lies that is terrifying to everybody in power (laughs) (laughs) or at least just everybody that doesn't share that thought process right yeah well yeah i mean most of the people like uh, i'm not i don't want to get into like bashing right yes (laughs) but there's a lot of in my experience, a lot of people who, not even a lot of people, some people, some people who follow extreme versions of monotheistic religion, so not even just Christians. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of, yeah. 
and even even some pagan religions like it's the extreme yes part that's important Mm -hmm. um they are very interested and um invested in trying to control other people um to believe what they believe because they have decided that is the absolute truth and there's no wiggle room and if you don't believe what they believe then you're out of control and that's not okay yeah and i feel there's a lot of fear that's there's a lot of fear although i feel like the people that i know in my life who are the most extreme in that would never admit to you that they're they're afraid. afraid yeah it's you're wrong Mm-hmm. Well, that's what fear And I have like. to save you yeah. from being wrong. Oh, that's my least favorite thing ever. I know. <laughs> and I try really hard to have, like, some compassion and understand where that's coming from. But it's very, it's very being really hard. challenging. It's really God. challenging, yes. <sighs> Boy, so many songs come to mind with that. I know. I There's know. lots. So lots of good things. So, um... Anyhow, let's talk about let's talk about some of the other aspects of witchcraft. Okay. Because I feel like well, you you kind of you kind of like, like did a really good job of like okay, this is Wicca. Yeah. And I feel like that in and of itself could be an entirely oh for sure yeah. I feel like just, everything could be its own episode. Yeah. Well, that's the lovely part about doing a podcast like this is you're just never out of things. Never to talk out of things. About. I know. I was getting a little worried, like when I thought I was running out of crystals, and then I like found a whole bunch more crystals yeah, so I'm like oh you know I think I'm doing all right I'm doing okay well let's just run down like just some basic things that you will find most witches have in common yeah and this also a lot of them apply to Wicca as well um so most people who follow witchcraft will follow the wheel of the year the Wheel of the Year is um, very specifically Celtic, yeah. but it is rooted in agrarian tradition. Mm-hmm. So even though the names and the like practices, when you look it up, like they're very Celtic, mm-hmm. there's myriad ways to celebrate these. Mm-hmm. So you've got both solstices, you've got both equinoxes, and then you have the midway point between each one of those. Yes. So the Wheel of the Year begins with Samhain, which is in Western tradition, that's Halloween. Um, That is the New Year. That is the midway point between the autumn equinox and spring. The winter solstice. Oh, winter solstice. Wow. I'm way off. Because <laughs> it goes, it goes solstice, midpoint, equinox, midpoint, solstice. Whoa. Yes. Okay. Well, and it's I'm funny because I do the wheel of the year on the podcast all the time, um, you know. I'm in a, I have this handy dandy little thing right here so that I can remember. It's actually like, it's a Wicca calendar. Even better. <laughs> nope. I oh, like it. Okay, there it is. Okay, so we start with um, Samhain. Yes. Okay, yes, I am correct. Samhain is the midway point between the autumn equinox and the winter solstice. 
Then the next holiday is Yule, which yes. is the winter solstice. Uh-huh. The next holiday is Imbolc, which uh-huh. is in February. That is the midway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. Yep. The next one is the spring equinox, Astara. Astara. Then there's Beltane, which is midway between spring solstice and summer, or spring equinox, summer solstice. Mm-hmm. Then summer solstice, which is Lithia. Uh, Lithia. Mm-hmm. And then the one we just had, midway between summer solstice and autumn equinox, which is Lunasa. Uh-huh. And then the autumn equinox, which is Mabon, which Mabon. is the next one coming up. Yep. Um, so that's the wheel of the year, and those are celebrated to mark the year, to mark um, what is happening. So uh, there's another very common saying, it's a soft law. <laughs> soft law, got it. Okay, got it. I'll take soft law. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it's as above, so below. Yes, I love that saying. So, um, and that applies to myriad different ways, right? So as the earth is shifting and changing and going along its energetic and seasonal changes, so within the human being. Yes. So you spiral all the way in for the winter, winter solstice mm-hmm. where you it's the most inward the most reflective the most shadow work within yourself and then slowly as you go along the wheel of the year you go out and out and out and out and out until you hit the, the summer, summer solstice where you're the most without of yourself yeah um and so and that's what happens with the earth as well right, right. everything goes dormant and quiet during winter. the winter and then it comes alive in the summertime so yeah. as above so below that's and each of those marks that yes. so again be, just they have celtic names but you can celebrate them any way you wish yeah um and there are many different ways i know lots of different witches who celebrate them all kinds of different ways. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is also, we'll celebrate um, the lunar cycles. Yes. So, um, you know, you've got full moon, waning moon, new moon, waxing moon, full moon. Got it. And that that is like a smaller version of the wheel of the year. Yes. <laughs> right? Where it's like um, monthly cycles of... Um, release and setting intent or setting intent growing intent manifestation release and back and and back again again. got it yes (laughs) um then most witches will have either a grimoire or a book of shadows yeah and this is this is another one of those things that people are like oh we just pulled the spells (laughs) no (laughs) all the (laughs) all the scary stuff you know from history all that is is you can write your spells in there. Many witches do write your spells. You can also write information about crystals or herbs that you really liked or something that was happening during that particular lunar cycle or whatever. All of your information, all of your spiritual things that you want to keep track of would go into your book of shadows. And most witches I know have many, many books of shadows. Many, many. Because you go through cycles of learning, right? Yeah. So like you're like, oh I love this book and you keep you keep you know tabs of it for a while. And then you're like, I need to move on to something else. Um so Laurel and I were talking before we started um 
recording about somebody that she and I both really like. Um, she's a YouTuber called The Hearth Witch. Yes. And she has an episode where she talks about Books of Shadows, and she's got literally, like, 25. Wow. Where she's like, some of them I've only written in a couple of times, and some of them, look, I can tell what's going on in my life because, like, my handwriting is completely different, and I'm really focused on this area. And so it's just, it's not this big, scary thing. Yeah. It's just, it's essentially like your witch diary. Yeah, it's like a witch journal. <laughs> but they're really important to have because as you get into this, you learn little tidbits and you make spells and you want to remember what works yes. and what doesn't work. Exactly. And, um, it's important to keep track of that. So yes. um, that is what a book, a book of shadows or a grimoire is. Um, most witches will have specific um, tools that they use. Again, as we've stated, you don't have to have these. They yeah. aren't necessary, but they're really nice. Um, they add an element of ritual and spiritual connection. Yeah. That are awesome. So probably the most famous one is the cauldron. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> you can use a cauldron to create potions, but most witches don't. Most witches that are going to create a potion that you're actually going to imbibe um, or put on your skin are going to go into the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do it in the kitchen. So it's a Boil pot. Boil their herbs on the stove. It's a pot. Most witches use them for things like they will... Um, set fire within the cauldron and use that for like releasing things so you're gonna burn uh an herb in there or you're gonna write something on a piece of paper that you want to release and you'll burn it in your cauldron mm -hmm. that's generally what people will use a cauldron for Got it. um there's an anthame which is essentially like a knife or a sword um this is not used for drawing blood <laughs> that's blood magic and that's a no-no. Yeah, don't do none of that. <laughs> Some witches, like I said, will do the darker stuff. Blood magic tends to be on the, oh, that's maybe controlling side. Yeah. You can draw your own blood if you want to. But that's like that gets into some territory where we're looking at the law of three. So yes, um, maybe we simmer on that. Yes, mostly what the anthem is used for is casting a circle. Okay, um, or you can use it for um, like cutting herbs. Um, so in casting a circle, you would just use it almost like a wand, where it's pointing out, and you would like siphon your energy out to create a protective circle around yourself got it it represents the element of fire mm. generally okay um you have candles that also represent, represent fire the, the fire and you can use candles in all kinds of magic you can put oils on them or put sigils on them yeah. use like different colored candles for different intents yeah um there um, is, you can use incense, which is for the element of air, mm -hmm. um, all different kinds. Um, and then there's usually a goblet, which would be used for um, water, water mm. um, for casting a circle. Um, and basic casting a circle would be calling in the four directions. So north, which is earth, east, which is air south which is fire west which is water and you would do uh create a circle around yourself by um 
you'd call in the north and you'd sprinkle uh, sand or dirt or just like I have a great big old sword. Ooh. I just draw in the earth <laughs> with my sword. Well, I can't, but it's. I want to see your sword. It's over there. I will show it to you. It's <laughs> magnificent. It was a gift. And it's one of my favorite things I've ever been given. She's just beautiful. I mean, a sword. <laughs> She's a sword sword, like a broad sword. Dude. <laughs> and once I do, and my favorite part is you draw in the grass your circle, and then you stick the sword in the ground, and it stands up. And it's just that it's not necessary, but it's such a beautiful re- representation that I vibe with big time. And hella satisfying. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Who are then, you? That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and then you go around with your incense and draw your circle, and then you go with a candle and you do your circle, and then water, and then you've cast your circle, and you imagine a great big bubble of light coming up around you, and that is like your sacred space. Mm. That's like your church. Right, right there where you do your work and you imagine that you are safe from any negative outside influences, anything that may be nagging you can all be released and that's your sacred space to meditate or prayer or do spell work or whatever. That's your safe, sacred space. Got Um, it. Almost all witches do that. Yeah. Um, And it looks very different for each one. Um, Makes sense. Let's see. We talked about the Wiccan read. And then this, there's one last thing that I, so this is, this comes from, I learned about it in Wicca, but I know lots of other witches who follow it. So if witches had the Ten Commandments, (laughs) but these are not like commandments where it's like you're sinning if you don't do it. It's just basic. It's the 13 goals for a witch. That's what's a goal. I like goal better. Yes. And they're all wonderful. So know yourself is number one. Know your craft is number two. Learn and grow is number three. Apply knowledge with wisdom Mm. is number four because those are not the same thing. Right, yes. (laughs) Number five is achieve balance. Number six is keep your words in good order. Yeah, communicate effectively, Uh kind of important. Number seven, keep your thoughts in good order. That makes sense. Number eight is celebrate life. Mm -hmm. Nine is attune with the cycles of the earth. Yes. 10 is breathe and eat correctly. Number 11 is exercise the body. Number 12 is meditate. And here's the Wiccan one. 13, honor the goddess and God. So that's the Wiccan one. That's the Wiccan one. Um, You do not have to do that. You don't have to do any of them to be a witch. But that's, it's another thing that I have found to be very common practice among witches of all different. Well, and they're very reasonable. Yes, they are. I mean, it's essentially like, be good to yourself, honor the earth, keep yourself in order. Yeah. You know, and all of them follow the and it harm none, do as you will. Yes. Keep your words, keep your thoughts, keep your body in good order. Be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Be kind to everyone. Yes. Have compassion yeah. and love. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. So here's here's another thing I was wondering about. So the difference between a pentagram yes. and a pentacle. Yes. So um, those terms get interchanged. interchanged. A pentacle is a very ancient symbol that means nothing evil at all. It is the upright star with a circle around it, and it represents the five elements. Five yeah. elements. Okay. <laughs> so there's earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. 
Ah. And it represents the connection and um, the mingling of all of those to create life. Oh, that's beautiful. The pentagram has been co-opted by first Christians to say that witches are evil and then by people who've decided that they want to create a religion after Satanism mm. and is the upside down star. star without a circle around it. Got it. So those are two very different things. The pentacle is a spiritual symbol of unity, power, love of the earth, mm. love of nature and spirit and the other is something completely different got it well that's a really good thing to discuss because i feel like you said it gets interchanged a lot yes and there is a very big difference it's a humongous difference all the difference in the world all the difference (laughs) okay so is there is there anything else that you want to add to this discussion that you feel is because I feel like we went over pretty much yeah, everything. Yeah, I think that's a really good primer for most people. Um, I would say anybody who is um, listening to this who is interested in um, learning about witchcraft. Um, there's lots of really good resources out there. My suggestion would be to read as much as you can. There's great YouTube videos. Don't decide on anything right away. Mm. Do lots and lots of research and see what suits you because there's lots of different paths of witchcraft. Mm. I mean, there's hedge witch, green witch, kitchen witch, uh, Celtic, Faye. I mean, just like there's, and that's like a tiny portion. There's so many. Yeah. Keep learning and growing and seeing what vibes with you because there's so much out there. Yes. Um, and anybody who um, feels very nervous about witchcraft because of whatever stigma stigma and programming you've had over your life, I don't blame you. There's a lot out there. Mm-hmm. I would offer you the same advice. Mm-hmm. Read and research because there's nothing evil or scary about it at all. Yeah. And then the name is what people are, are mostly yes, worried about. exactly. You know, even though it's like they are practicing witchcraft, don't you dare call them a witch because right. there's such a negative connotation that comes it's with so it. It's so true. And there's, in the witch community, there's there's a question of, are you in or out of the broom closet? Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, a lot of witches pretty much stay in the broom closet because it's very... Unless you're someone who's really real self-confident and really just doesn't give a hoot what anybody else thinks about you, it's hard because then you know that you're up for a lot of questioning, a lot of debating, and at a certain point you want to just be like, listen, you know, I just want to believe what I believe and have my own spirituality and not have to constantly justify it. Yes. So, I, you know, if you have those feelings, I would challenge you to research just so that you know, so that if you meet someone and they say to you, well, you know, I kind of, I worship nature, practice, you'll know, and you'll know to just take a deep breath. Yeah. About that. Although I feel like anybody listening to this podcast, for the most part, is kind of, at least has a passing interest in openness. So Yeah. And even if you're not, I mean, this is what it is, and it's not a negative thing. No. It's never, it was never meant to be an evil, 
demon worship thing. No. And even the part where you use spirit realm, which we didn't really talk about very much, all of that is in the realm of beauty and love. And like for myself, when I cast a circle, it's this weird like hybrid. Yeah. (laughs) So like I call in my spirit guide who is a water goddess. Yeah. But I also call in the archangels. Yes. Who are a very Christian tradition. Yes. Yes. So, and all of that works for me. Yeah. So even within like knowing I identify as a witch and I practice witchcraft, like even within that, there's still elements that would be recognizable and honored by my Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's also other, other ascended masters because oh, it's all yes. connected. Oh, right? girl, and that could be a whole podcast. In yeah. Itself. Well, I've already yes. talked about Kuan Yin. Yes. You know, and the Christ consciousness. And the Christ consciousness. Yes. And all of that is connected. They're all connected in spirit. Yes. They are just of different dimensions than we are because oh. they have ascended. And so. It's so true. Yeah. It's so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're calling on them to kind of guide you in the and mm-hmm. where you need to yes. go. Yes. And, and I have been known to call in Christ energy, Christ consciousness, particularly when it's a, a situation where I feel like I need to be able to hold a degree of love which feels over over like unworldly yeah and against someone who is negative and hateful towards me yeah like that loving martyr self-sacrifice type of energy yeah Mm -hmm. like I will call in that energy and I don't feel like that's bad (laughs) you know that's what those those mass ascended masters are for yes agreed (laughs) and i will get into a lot more of these ascended masters yes as we go along oh they're so wonderful more bodhisattvas and they're so beautiful yes And, and all of them, and a portion, and a portion of the Hindi gods, because there are oh, so many. Oh, there's so many. There's literally thousands. Oh, oh boy. They're all magnificent. Yes, I'll I, probably just do the bigger ones, just because that will make for an extremely long podcast oh, episode. Oh, real big one. Yeah. I, I mean, there's, the, and you can just do like the main ones. I had the very good fortune of working uh, for a family who is Hindu and the grandfather uh, was a Veda scholar. And so he and I had lots of really interesting conversations about the Hindu gods. And they're just, some of them are so, the stories are so amazing. I love that. And so we'll have to talk about more of that. But I love that in witchcraft, you can you can you can call in all of those ascended masters oh, yes and it's still called witchcraft yes i actually talked to a witch on a, a facebook group the other day who this person gives themselves a nordic name like oh, yeah. he chose this specific nordic name i'm not going to say it because it's uh, he hasn't given me any permission for oh any yeah, of that. yeah 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 so he s- chose this nordic name but he identifies as a Shakti witch, which means he practices witchcraft with the Vedic gods, with the Hindu gods. Dude, that's rad. I know. I was like, please tell me more about that. And this oh is what I God. love about this path is you. it's so open. 
I love that. Oh my god, that's so cool. Isn't it amazing? It's like I need to know more about you. Yeah, you're awesome. Still. Oh my god, my inquisitive brain is like. I know. Oh. I exploded. I was like, oh, I so, have many so many questions. questions. So many questions. <laughs> oh my god, that's so amazing. Okay, so. I think that that's it. Thank you, Lorelai. I yeah. had a lot of fun. This was really, I, this is a topic I love to talk about and I'm really passionate about. So thank you for having me. That on. is very clear. <laughs> and I'd rather have somebody who's passionate about it because it makes for a very interesting podcast. Yeah. And I've really loved your interview podcasts, by the way, not simply because I've been on two of them now. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but because they're really fun and you get so much out of them. Good. A good conversation. So well, I. As an avid listener, I encourage you to continue doing some, doing of, some of those. Yeah. Well, if any of you out there have some stuff that you want to talk about, please contact me and we can, we can, we can do an interview. And I can tell you um, that she is every bit as delightful in person <laughs> as she is on her podcast. <laughs> oh, thanks. I do my best. I definitely try not to be a you know, a beast. You're wonderful. <laughs> you're a wonderful human being. I'm glad Thanks. you're podcasting in the world. Oh, all the love. I feel all it. The love. All the love. <laughs> all right, you guys. Well, that's pretty much it for this week's episode. And um, be sure, I, I always forget to say this. I'm going to remember to say this. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can actually do that. You can subscribe. And that way you'll totally know when new stuff comes up. And you don't have to look on the Facebook page or look on the, you know, the anchor or whatever website you use to listen to it. It'll just automatically send you something. So don't forget to subscribe to Third Eye with Lorelai. Yes. Do like the pages. Subscribe to the podcast. Do that. All the things. So anyway, I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. And love and light to you all. If you find yourself interested in receiving an intuitive tarot reading, contact me at 3 R D E Y E L O R E L E I 
at gmail.com or you can message me on my Instagram at 3rd.eye.with.lorelei or on Facebook at Third Eye with Lorelei Podcast to set up a reading. I can do Zoom or we can meet in person as long as we are wearing those face masks and practicing social distancing just to be safe. As always, love and light to you all and I look forward to reading you soon.